It's the idea is inject a flavor of approachability through humor and through fun and playfulness by also linking in the value add of what we offer. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Confessions of a B2B Marketer podcast. My name is Tom Hunt, your host, and today we have a big one. Along the same vibe as the Todd episode is the Devin episode. I'm trying to dig in to really understand what's making B2B content work right now on LinkedIn and on other platforms. And so today we're joined by Travis Tyler, who is a digital content producer at PandaDoc and is crushing LinkedIn. Go check him out on LinkedIn for the kind of video content he's producing and also the podcast, The Customer Engagement Lab. So in this discussion, we jump into how he makes B2B content sexy and fun at PandaDoc and then also uncover almost like a business positioning culture uh, lesson at the end, which I thought was super insightful. Now, before we jump into that, I have to give a big shout out to Fame, who actually are producing this episode. It's also my company. We run a large number of B2B podcasts. And we run them like a marketing person would like a podcast to be run. So these are there to be profitable for our clients, not necessarily just to have like beautiful audio or to win podcast awards. This is a marketing campaign or a growth program, as I like to call them, that we implement for clients to do most of the work in order to get the ROI on that spend. So shout out to Fame, go to fame.so, or link is in the show notes below. Let's jump into this discussion with Travis right now. Travis, welcome to the show. Tom, thank you so much for having me. It is a pleasure. I'm a fan and I'm ready to rock. <laughs> so what I like about you, Travis, is that you're in the B2B space, PandaDoc. Basically, everybody go search for Travis PandaDoc online. I'm sure they'll come to your LinkedIn profile. But and PandaDoc, I like the brand, but it isn't like any B2B product. It's not super sexy. But what you do, I think best, is bring character and comedy, etc., to, I guess, any B2B brand that you're working at currently is PandaDoc. Do you think that's an accurate assessment? I am flattered that you think so. And I appreciate all the kind words. Panadoc is certainly not a sexy brand. We are in the document automation and e-signature business. It is a necessity. It is a utility, but it's not flashy. We're not in B2C. We're not selling Barbie doll movies and Oppenheimer movies. We're selling business software, things that help people run their business. And yes, I intentionally try to bring fun. One of the core values of PandaDoc for all employees who start here is fun. Our four core values are learning, impact, fun, and empathy. And I try to bring all four of those to my personal brand as well as the PandaDoc brand. Now, this is super interesting because my next question was trying to break down how you are able to make the B2B content like fun and sexy. And am I right in saying then that maybe one of the reasons that attracted you to PandaDoc was the fact that one of their values was fun. Absolutely. I purposely and intentionally did not go work for a company whose name is very serious. I got into tech back in 20, I think 16, 2015, because I wanted to have fun. I had been working in nonprofits. I had been working in just really serious industries. And I wanted to have a better work-life balance. And I wanted to experiment with stuff that other agencies weren't letting me do, which was goof around, inject humor and comedy into the content I create to stop people in their scroll and remember our brand. Have you ever gone too far with content for Panadoc and someone internally has been like, look, Travis, we need to write in a bit? Oh, certainly. It happens probably two to three times a year. And 
my philosophy there is if I'm not ruffling a few feathers every once in a while, then I'm not pushing the boundaries enough and I'm not getting creative or experimental enough. And I have a really great working relationship with the executives at Panadoc, where if I do cross a line, there's no feelings hurt. It's just like, hey, let's tail it back. Let's do something different than that. And we trust each other. And it doesn't happen all that often. I've certainly calmed down as well. I think I was trying to really make a name for myself and a big splash the first few years. But now I know what resonates and what goes too far. But I'll give you an example instead of just speaking hypothetically. Please. I did an early podcast episode and had a running joke about boogers. And even in improv comedy and the training I've done, that's known as blue humor, bathroom humor. And it's unnecessary. There's ways to be funny without it. And I was told, yeah, let's maybe not do that kind of stuff in the future. My fourth grade version of myself was a little disappointed, but I totally get it. Maybe let's not put that out there. Other things that have happened is, well, this was a really good learning lesson for me, is getting provoked by trolls online and people who come to attack, people who try to get a rise out of you. The best case of, in my example is either turn them into your fans by maybe addressing their legitimate concern or just ignoring it. Just absolutely ignoring it. If you can tell someone's coming into a comment section to just douse it in gasoline and set it on fire, just ignore it and use that delete button. Use that dis unfollow or disconnect button. That's why it was made for that. But those were learning lessons was stay away from some of the bathroom humor stuff and don't get easily provoked and stay out of fights online. Those are lessons I had to learn the hard way. Makes total sense. Can we give a little bit of an overview to the Pandadoc content team? And the reason I ask is because I'm enjoying your B2B content. I'm sure there are other B2B marketers listening that maybe their content is not as fun and exciting as you guys. So I want to break that down so they can maybe inject some of that into their content. So the first question is going to be around the, the size and structure of the content team. The content team is actually a pretty small team. It's me and a social media manager and an events manager and then our head of content. So a total of four people on the content team. Now, that is for a lot of the brand content. Panadoc has a huge marketing team, Tom. We have over 80 people on the marketing team. Panadoc is rather large. We have close to 850 employees currently. And we also have basically an even split in the marketing org where we have performance and we have brand. And those are kind of the two different camps. On the performance side, we have a bunch of content marketers who focus solely on SEO and driving conversions through organic and paid traffic and that kind of content. But we do work really well with all of the teams and trying to have a cohesive brand, whether it's on the performance side or whether it's on more of like that social fun content stuff that people are coming to me and talking with me about. So your team sits on the brand side? Correct. Got it. But you have some other content marketers, maybe more like, maybe less fun, maybe more SEO orientated on the performance side. And I actually work really well with them and we go off of each other, but I rely on them for a lot of my YouTube content and the stuff that's going to drive a lot of traffic to our website. So I'm a video content producer. I work with our demand gen team pretty much quarterly to plan out what videos am I going to create based on search volume, based on conversions, and based on website traffic. And we target those keywords and we come up with scripts together that help answer questions for people who are searching for that type of content. That's how I work with the content marketers on the demand gen and performance side. Yeah, this is, I think, maybe the first key learning because yes, the content can be fun and creative, but we do still want to have the kind of ROI, like business person head and make it fun and creative being the things that are going to help us convert. So I think that's a key learning. 
I'm assuming that the content teams on the performance side are maybe measured differently from how the business measures your content? Absolutely. My, the way I'm measured is by audience growth. And we've come up with that through a couple of different ways is how are we growing our social media audiences across all the different platforms? How are we helping to convert and capture email addresses from people who are coming from those websites and wanting to get more content and signing up for newsletters? And then I'm also on the production side, how much content am I producing? And how is it performing once I've produced it? Specifically with podcasts, I have a pretty heavy growth goal where quarter over quarter, I'm trying to grow total streams by 10% each quarter. And I do that by trying to bring on bigger, better guests. I do that by trying to get more creative with how I distribute the episodes via snippets and via carousel images and tagging people and doing more cooperative kind of syndication of podcast episodes. So that's how I'm measured. I'm not exactly sure how folks on the demand gen side are measured. I would guess it's probably based on conversations, things like how many blog posts did we produce this quarter? How much traffic did it bring in? Did we see growth in that traffic? Where are we ranking on organic search? And then how are those conversions happening when they sign up for Panadoc from that specific blog article or from that content pillar page? That's my best guess. I would probably have to speak with like their boss if that's still the case. It sounds about right. What I bet the performance or demand gen side, I bet they like you because they're retargeting warm retargeting audiences are going up with like all the LinkedIn page followers. Do you know what I mean? Can't really do that with podcast audience, but maybe somehow with YouTube. So they're loving you, I guess, when your content blows up because they're like, it's more like fresh meat for us to retarget. I think so. I think they really enjoy as well just the playfulness side of it. I think I'm somebody at the organization that they can rely on to not take themselves too seriously and to help inject a bit of yeah, levity into what it is that they do for a living. And I also hopefully spark some creativity for them. I'm coming to the table with some pretty out-of-the-box ideas sometimes. And they're like, actually, let's run that as an ad. <laughs> like, I have a great example of this, Tom, that your audience might enjoy. I was approached by an agency who was like, hey, and they're the ones that record our podcast and they do a lot of our video content. And they're like, hey, we want to give you a free media day where we'll film any content you want for free. And they're like, we just want to use it so that we can build our portfolio and share it with our customers to show them what we're capable of doing. And I was like, say no more. There's no strings attached. I can't get in too much trouble for this one because it's free. And the way I approached it was like, we've got April Fool's coming up. Let's do a fun April Fool's video. So I created Dr. Panda therapy sessions where you're getting document therapy from a doctor dressed up in a panda suit. And (laughs) I recorded it and showed it to my team. And they were like, this is pretty awesome. And we pushed them out on April Fool's just saying, these are just fun commercials. But if you are struggling with anything document related, come see Dr. Panda here at PandaDoc. And I published it in like an all hands channel on Slack. And my CEO saw it and I got a message from the next day and I was like, "Uh uh-oh. And I don't ever get a message from this guy. He's way too busy to deal with me. (laughs) And he was like, bro, I love this. This is exactly the kind of fun that we need to be having. I really appreciate that you like pushed our value, but also kept it light and just well done. Let's turn these into ads. And I was like, no way. And so I screenshotted it and now they're running as advertisements. Actually, closed circuit TV and some of the streaming platforms were running those ads on as Dr. Panda. That's incredible. And I guess also shout out to the CEO for being 
and embracing something that maybe a typical CEO would be a little bit offended, but warned by the fact that this thing is off the wall. Really good example. The podcast, um, it'll be linked below the customer engagement lab. Most recent episode, you had some thoughts or the guests had thoughts on audience growth. So I'd love it if you could share a bit about that. Yes, absolutely. So the whole premise of that episode was we need to address the like disgusting elephant in the content creation space, which is like, please, for the love of God, stop chasing overnight success. Stop trying to go viral. What it takes to go viral sometimes can be so toxic for a business that it's not worth it. And it's chasing the shiny object. So I brought in these two guys who have been running a local marketing company in Tampa Bay, Florida for close to 15 years. And their whole thing is steady, consistent growth. 15 years of growth to get over half a million followers who are devout fans, right? Like it may not sound like a huge amount, but for what they're trying to do, which is Southwestern area of Florida in the States, most of the population actually here, because I think we're close to a million. So they've been able to capture a large swath of individuals by just being authentic and showing up and being helpful. And that's it. And so that was the premise of the show for audience growth is it's not sexy, but it works. And these guys know what they're doing. And so did they have, was it like a local news media brand? Oh, well, what were they building? Yes. Got it. And they got 50%. Yeah. So they cover like all of the restaurants, parks, things to do and events in the area for Tampa Bay. Got it. And so I assume this is the approach that you guys are using at PandaDoc is we, yes, I mean, if we go viral, we'll get like a shed load of views on LinkedIn. That's great. But we actually just want to be consistently jumping by X amount per month of people that really care about or enjoy the stuff we're producing. Absolutely. That's the idea is we want brand evangelism. We want affinity. In, in our user base, we want to stand out. We, the company's called Panda Doc because we want to have fun and we want to be a brand that is a little bit contrarian, is a little bit fun and interesting and not the docu-signs of the world that sound very serious. But that is the idea is let's show up and let's do a little bit of something every day. We've been tempted to chase things in the past and we've said no. A big one was Clubhouse when that came out. And people were like, you need to get on there, Travis. You need to do this and this. And I'm like, look, I'm doing my thing on LinkedIn and YouTube and I'm dabbling in TikTok. Let's stay the course. It's really paid off because Clubhouse died and our growth on LinkedIn has been about 300% since I started doing this about two years ago. Yeah, focus. I see. What I've really realized recently is it's so hard to make any platform grow that if you're trying to do more than two or three, the likelihood that you're going to be able to create the content or comment in the way that people like on that platform goes down and you get nothing. And so I'm totally with you there. Next question. And I actually saw this example of edutainment, you could say, in a different podcast episode of yours, which was the monday.com cookie dispenser. You remember that? Yes, I do. That video is, I never heard of it before. Absolutely incredible. If you could you just give like a 10 second overview of what that was and then I guess, any thoughts on how someone listening could do something like that? Absolutely. So we did a podcast episode where we did a review on the free trial of monday.com, which for those who are not familiar, is just a productivity and workforce tool to help project management across an organization. They also have a CRM and some other stuff going on as well. And in our review of this free trial, I had three panelists with me and we were all like, 
Let's talk about what your experience is like with Monday.com. Have you seen any of their marketing that's really stood out to you? And somebody on the show, Todd Klauser, a good friend of mine was like, dude, I saw this commercial and like this video series that Monday put out like years ago, where one of their customers created a cookie dispenser automation, like robot tool that would deliver a cookie to somebody when they like check something off of their, their project to-do list. And it is a hilarious use of edutainment where they're showing the monday.com tool from a customer's perspective and how helpful it is, and then putting a fun twist on it by showing off this creator who is like, I just build stuff because I'm an engineer and I like to have fun. So let's build this silly thing, which is a cookie dispenser. And that's the gist. And like kind of similar to what you did with the Dr. Panda, right? You're connecting it to the product or something that we want to talk about in the product, but making it a little bit like outrageous or crazy. Absolutely. So I have lots of family members who don't live in the B2B SaaS space. And I like sharing what I do for a living. And this is coming out tomorrow, but my nieces and nephews are all Gen Zers. And I showed them a photo of, I reproduced the Barbie movie poster. And I have me in a panda suit replacing Ken. And they thought it was hysterical and they get it. And they're like, I understand what you do for a living now. Like, I get it, even though I'm only 17 years old. And I'm like, yes, mission accomplished. It's tying in things that are relevant to different audiences as an approachable entryway to what we do. And so that if the need ever comes up of them needing to do an e-signature, of them needing to have a document automation tool for their business, they're going to be like, oh, yeah, let me go check out that silly brand that my buddy works for, that my friend works for. And that's the idea is inject a flavor of approachability through humor and through fun and playfulness by also linking in the value add of what we offer. Going back to the point you mentioned on LinkedIn, hey, we're talking like 300% growth. We're going to have to dig into that. I think there's actually a Todd thing as well, where you have been making TikTok videos that are also pretty funny, by the way, and then posting them to LinkedIn and this seems to be working. Would you agree? And then after that, Anything else that's working either for you on LinkedIn personally or on the PandaDoc page? Yes. I learned this from Todd Clauser, who's over at Lavender. So shout out to Todd. And him and Will Aiken were doing this a little bit right as I was getting my feet wet with it too. And the idea is if you look, if you step outside of the B2B SaaS world and you just look at what these things are, these social media platforms, you've got TikTok and you've got LinkedIn. They could not be more diametrically opposed in terms of the user base. But yet there is such an underlying thread of universal humor and universal scroll-stopping information that you're there for. No matter if you're on LinkedIn or TikTok, you are there to be entertained, whether you believe it or not. Some people are like, well, I'm just there to get a job. Okay, that's fine. But at the end of the day, you're also there to try to get attention for yourself or find someone who's making attention to go work for them or have them work for you. And so that entertainment piece is, is universally there. And the idea was like, I spent so much time during the pandemic on TikTok, had nothing to do some days where I was just bored, stuck at home inside. And the level of creativity and humor that the algorithm was feeding me was just so inspiring. And I was like, let me just test this out and take that same humor, that same style of being outlandish or being very silly and over the top, getting dressed up in costumes and bring that into the corporate world. And let's just see what happens. And I remember hearing someone say, even CEOs like to laugh. And that's so true. It doesn't matter how successful you are. You have a sense of humor. If you don't, like, no one's going to like you. So you like to laugh, whether it's at one thing or another. And it worked. It clicked. And 
I've been able to translate that and bring it over. My TikToks aren't successful on TikTok. I have close to a thousand followers. I had one early TikTok get like half a million views and that was my viral peak. But since then, I've just been like, I'm going to take the trends, the funny things I'm seeing here that my friends on LinkedIn aren't seeing because they're not on TikTok and bring it over and just borrow the humor and show it to a different audience. Makes sense. Uh, That's mainly on your personal profile, right? Or do these also get distributed through the company page? They do get distributed through the company page as well. It just depends. If it leans a little bit too heavily towards Travis, I'm like, hey, we don't need to post this on the brand. But if it's more addressed to like our value proposition or like the Panadoc brand in general, we'll throw it in there. Is there anything else to this LinkedIn growth apart from creating content that connects to the brand, obviously, and is fun and entertaining? It is following the formula that so many other LinkedIn creators have set before me, which is you're there to connect with people and you have to be a real person. And that means responding to people when they DM you. That means responding in comments. That means cheering people on and endorsing them. I had someone become a Pandadoc customer because I congratulated them for becoming a digital content producer, which is the same title I have at another company. Like it Just because I was like, hey, welcome to the dark side of content creation. Let me know if you ever need any help or you want to talk shop. And she was like, thanks so much for that. And then six months later, she was like, hey, I just signed up for Panadoc and I wanted you to know that my company is now using it because you commented and were so kind to me. And I was like, that's not my intention. I wasn't going out there to like sell, sell, sell in like a sneaky, slippery way. I'm just genuinely going out there to, to have fun and to make connections. And if they needed a document tool, maybe they'll look at mine. Let's transition to your personal brand. Did you start building this pre-Pandadoc? I did not. I strictly did it for one reason, Tom. I wanted people to listen to the podcast. That was the only thing I was after when I started building a personal brand on LinkedIn. And it's become very useful, but there was nothing (laughs) previously done. No. Let's talk about using LinkedIn's great podcast. Obviously, I see in this, and I think about this a lot as well. And so my thoughts here are, Podcasts are like the, probably the best way to build a relationship with an existing audience, but they're not actually that great to build the audience. And so if the podcast is in the B2B space, then the best way to get attention for the podcast is through LinkedIn, typically organic posting. I post pretty much every day, Monday to Friday. And even though I'm linking in the comments off LinkedIn, the podcast posts have typically perform better than normal posts, which I think is pretty amazing because normal posts have no real CTA. So this, I think, for anyone listening, if they want to grow the company podcast, first just stop doing anything else on the feed, et cetera, on the podcast feed, but be go to LinkedIn. Would you agree? I would agree. And I would say that trying to get people off of a platform to go do something is very challenging. But what you can do is consistently show up and be a reminder to people that you have a great product, which in this case is your podcast, that if and when they're ready for a podcast, because you have to be in the right mind space, you have to be in the right activity part of your day, you're doing a chore, you're going for a drive, you're going for a run, you're at the gym. That's typically when people have like, hey, I've got 45 minutes of doing some mindless activity. I would like to listen to Tom's podcast. And so when they're scrolling on a social media platform, that may not be the best time for them to go sit down for 30, 45 minutes and do that. They just wanted a dopamine hit for 15 seconds. And so showing up consistently with insightful, engaging or entertaining content and just being like, oh, by the way, this was also part of my podcast, that will trigger that memory of like, oh shit, I'm in the mood for something new. I want to learn. I want to have fun. And I have time for a podcast. That's right. I saw that post from Tom where he posted all those great stats, or I saw a clip of his guest that was so engaging. I need to go back and listen to that episode. And that's the idea of what I try to do is just show up consistently, offer scroll-stopping stuff, 
and build that just core memory of when they're ready. Makes total sense. A couple of random thoughts I've had. So obviously we were discussing that the content team that you sit within on the brand side is measured by audience growth, both podcast and social. Do you also see people coming? I assume when you come and sign up to PandaDoc, you can say where people heard about you. Are we getting your name in there? Are we getting the podcast in there? I wish. So unfortunately, it is a hard fought battle for me, but we do not have any sort of attribution set up currently. It's been something I've discussed, but they've found when testing that it hurts our conversion rates too much to have that extra field. And I don't mess with the almighty pipeline at PandaDoc. So what I do get to see in here, though, is anecdotally in a couple of different ways. So yes, my name has popped up in several gong recordings with customers, and that's always fun to see. It's also great to see when people will comment or DM me on LinkedIn and commenting on things and saying, I signed up for this because of Panadoc, let your bosses know. Tom, I'd be an idiot if I didn't screenshot that and then throw it into the quarterly report and put that into the presentation because I can show all the data I want to my CRO. But when I end the presentation with seven screenshots of like, love the podcast, love Travis, love PandaDoc, it just reaffirms that what we're doing isn't always quantifiable. And we got to give a little bit of that qualitative love when we're presenting on our value of what we're giving the organization. That is a massive insight for any B2B, especially content marketers listening, because you're going to show the site traffic, you're going to show the audience growth or podcast subscribers, but having the qualitative ideally from customers, but if not, just people saying they love the content. Final question, and this may be more of a statement, but when you were talking about PandaDoc's values and the fact that DocuSign, maybe we shouldn't say that word, <laughs> the D word, are like quite straight edge, I assume maybe this was a strategic move, maybe right back when the values were defined by the leadership team of like counter positioning. Would you agree? Yes. So I asked the two founders about the naming of PandaDoc and our company used to be called Quote Roller, Tom, that was the name of PandaDoc way back in the day when it was first. And then they expanded and were like, well, we do more than quotes. We do proposals. We do contracts. We do all sorts of documents now. And they were like, right around the time when some other companies were naming themselves after animals. I'll give you an example. MailChimp was a great inspiration for the co-founders of PandaDoc. And so they were simply just like, all right, what is an animal that no other company really has in our space and people enjoy? And then they were just like throwing things against the wall. And they were like, hey, you know, the, the pandas are endangered. They eat bamboo, which can be used as paper and wood. And we work with documents. And so it just kind of came together like, let's just go with PandaDoc. It's fun. It's interesting. It stands out. It's different. Similar idea to the branding of MailChimp. And, and again, it attracted an employee like me who has a improv and stand-up comedy background, someone who likes to inject that into their work. and. It's part of our DNA as an organization to, if we look at the four quadrants of brands, I can't remember what they're all called, but we're definitely the one that's up and to the right. We're a challenger brand. We're trying to just be a little bit unconventional and a little bit different and unique to stand out because it's a crowded space. I thought I was going to come on here and we have learned about how to create sexy or fun B2B marketing content, but actually here we've uncovered more of a business lesson, which is like counter positioning and then translating that to values to attract the people that would then reinforce those values and reinforce the brand. Absolutely. It's the same reason some people will drink Voss water versus liquid death. It's a different type of consumer. It's a different product. I know we're only talking about an ACV of like 4 to $5 on a bottle, but yeah, <laughs> it's certainly part of the DNA and the tactics that have been employed since day one at this work. 
Beautiful. All right, Travis, we're going to link, obviously, to the Customer Engagement Lab, your personal LinkedIn profile, PandaDoc, of course, and also we'll find the, the Monday cookie automation video. Anything else we should link below? I just want to thank you and I want people to follow you on LinkedIn. If they, if I, when I post this clip of us, go check out Tom. He's posting great content for creators, for brand folks, and for content professionals like myself. So I admire and look up to you, Tom. So thank you. Travis, thank you so much for coming on. Yep. No problem. All right. What do we think of that team? Hopefully we shed some light on the way that Travis and potentially you could be making your B2B content a little bit more fun along with that kind of counterintuitive business positioning lesson at the end regarding PandaDoc. Big shout out to Fame for sponsoring and creating this episode. Big shout out to Travis. Everything will be linked below. And of course, a big shout out to you. Thank you so much for listening.